Well, I'm a bit surprised that so many of you are here this evening. Uh, we had two very full Masses this morning at our 9 and 11 o'clock Mass. We had First Holy Communion for our second graders this afternoon, a 2 o'clock Mass and a 4 o'clock Mass. And not to mention last evening, Father Vetter at the high school for the high school juniors and seniors at St. Mary's had a prom mass, a before prom mass. He asked me last evening if I wanted to take the mass for prom. I said, no way. That's the last thing, last place I want to be. I want nothing to do with it. So Father Vetter had it. And so I'm glad that you're here and that we're here together this evening. Um, we're, of course, at the third Sunday of Easter. And I know Easter, six, seven weeks, we're about halfway through or about a third of the way through, depending on how you count. And I just want to call a bit of a time out here this evening <clears throat> as we get to this third Sunday of Easter. And here's why. Uh, two weeks ago, Easter Sunday, we, of course, would have heard the gospel, <clears throat> excuse me, of Mary Magdalene finding the tomb being empty. The tomb was empty, right? We hear that. Mary Magdalene runs, tells the other apostles. Last week, we heard... Uh, Jesus appearing to the ten uh, in the upper room on the first Easter Sunday evening and then appearing, of course, to Thomas and Thomas putting his hands in the Lord's side and in his own hands. And now this evening we have this beautiful gospel, John chapter 21, uh, Jesus and appearing again. Why do I want to call a timeout? Here's why. If you're like me, we can get really kind of familiar and used to these resurrection accounts. And we can get used to talking about Jesus, who is dead, coming back to life. And we can get used to talking about things like heaven. And we can get used to talking about things like God, right? And it's a very dangerous thing for any of us to ever become overly familiar with these incredible mysteries that we proclaim and focus on and talk about, we get used to it. And we're like, yeah, got it. No. Right? Uh, this is my ninth Easter as a priest. I did a little bit of math. Nine, uh, e nine Easter's as a priest now, six weeks. That's about 50 homilies I've preached just on Easter. Let's say I give two a weekend. That's over 100 homilies I've given on resurrection and new life in nine years as a priest. And the temptation is I'm used to it. No. We can never get used to this, everyone. We can never be overly familiar because that's a dangerous thing. So what I want to do this evening is to make sure we're, we're not too familiar and just kind of too casual about what we're talking about, what we're celebrating during these days, to not be too casual or too used to these things. So what I want to do is just kind of break open a little bit this wonderful gospel, John chapter 21. So it begins, of course, by Jesus revealing himself again to his disciples. John uses that word. Jesus reveals himself again to his disciples, right? You can almost hear the exasperation in John. Jesus keeps on appearing and appearing and appearing and appearing, and he's continuously revealing himself. Everyone, that hasn't stopped. Jesus doesn't stop revealing himself. This is continually happening even now. That's why we have the Word of God. It's why we have the Eucharist. Jesus is constantly saying, this is who I am. Continually revealing himself. This has not stopped. 
But in this case, he does so in this way. Where is he? This takes place where? It says the Sea of Tiberias. Where is that? It's in Galilee. It's in northern Israel. Now, that's significant because all the events taking place up to and into Easter Sunday took place where? Jerusalem, right? The Lord's passion, death, and resurrection took place in Jerusalem, hundreds of kilometers away from Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. What are they doing there? Well, remember what Jesus said when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there I will meet them. Well, now he's meeting them. He's fulfilling that promise. Not to mention, Galilee is their home. They're going back home. This is where they're from. The apostles were not city boys, right? They weren't from Bismarck. They're from Huff, okay? Or take your small town of choice. They're not city boys. They're back home. They're back to Galilee. And by the way, they're back doing what they're used to doing. What does Peter say? He says, I am going fishing. What is Peter? He's a fisherman. What is he saying? All this Jesus stuff is now over. I'm done. I'm going back not just to my home, but I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going fishing because a man who is dead is still dead. And I've seen him once, but now he's gone again. Peter's going fishing. He's returning home, back to where he's comfortable, back to where he's familiar. And then this little side note that John just casually throws in mentions a charcoal fire. Charcoal fire, big deal. A charcoal fire. When was the last time Peter was standing by a charcoal fire? It was on a day we call Holy Thursday at night outside the high priest's home in the courtyard. And as he's standing by a charcoal fire, some lady comes up and says, hey, aren't you one of them? Right? Don't I recognize you? You look a little like a Galilean. Don't you know this guy that's over here being arrested and, you know, eventually beaten? And of course, what does Peter say? Uh Uh-uh. I don't know him. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter says no to Jesus by a charcoal fire. And as the risen Christ does this incredible thing, everyone, what I want to just highlight here is to try to imagine this. After this miraculous catch of fish, Peter puts on his clothes, whatever that means, jumps in the water, runs to the shore, because he's been waiting for this moment. You know when you have an argument with someone and you know that conversation's coming, and you're like, I really don't want to have that conversation. But you know it's coming, and you're like, I really don't want to have that conversation. That's probably what Peter's feeling like. I got to talk to him. We've had a bad couple days. But Jesus pulls Peter aside and asks him three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now notice for a second, what name does Jesus use when he addresses Peter? He doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. 
Simon's former name, his birth name, right? Jesus is going back to the old Peter here. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter can say yes three times. It was St. Augustine who first made the connection that what Jesus is doing here is restoring Peter's three no's. I can't believe it took till St. Augustine, fourth century, to make that connection. But anyway, it is what it is. Three no's from Peter are now restored by three yeses. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And have you ever wondered also, you know, this denial of, of, of Jesus thing by Peter, we hear it all the time, uh, but have you ever wondered, like, how do we know that? How do we know that Peter denied Jesus? You know, we don't have a gospel of Peter. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we don't have a gospel of Peter. So how do we know that Peter denied Jesus three times? More than likely, Peter told the story. Peter eventually broke open his own fallenness and shared the story. And the ancient church fathers say that every time Peter would recall his threefold denial of Jesus, Peter would weep. In fact, some say that Peter's eyes had crevices in them from all the tears he wept over having denied our Lord. And now Jesus restores him and gives him a second chance, a new beginning. And Peter is now unchained and he's a new man. And for the next 30 years of his life, Peter will boldly proclaim Christ risen from the dead. And when they say, stop saying that name, he says, no, no, I will not stop saying his name. So everyone, what, is this? what, do, what do we take from this? Well, I hope it's clear for us that God is constantly wanting to restore us to bring us from a former way to a new way, from the old name to the new name, from the former no to a new yes. God is constantly wanting to restore us, to rescue us, as we said in our psalm. If you don't need to be rescued, God bless you. But I know that I do. And I'm guessing many of you know that as well. We believe and profess Jesus Christ is risen. And he is a God who gives us second chances. He is a God who restores. He is a God who says to you and to me, do you love me? And the only answer we can give, I hope and pray, is yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you because there is nothing else in life that matters more than being able to say those words, yes, Lord, you know that I love you.